January day, my son was four years old. My oldest son was four years old. My youngest was two. Up my my oldest son from preschool, and it was January. It was single digits outside, negative wind chill. It was a cold day, and he got done with preschool. And I went over to the coat rack and I. I got his coat for him, and as he was dismissed from preschool, I, I held his coat open for him, so all he had to do was hold out his arms and then shimmy into the coat, and he would be all set up, and we could go get in the car in the otherwise frigid weather. And he looked at me, and I looked at him. He looked at the coat, he looked at me, I looked at him, and apparently we're just going to have the world's longest stare down. I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm like, come on, buddy, put, put on your coat. And then he shook his head, no. And then I shook my head, yes, and said, put on your coat. And he looked at the coat, and he looked at me. I'm not put, no. And then you flash back four years ago in a hospital room. His mother delivers him. And the joy and the pride that you felt. You fast forward a couple days to where you show them you have the car seat. And they make you watch the video that says, never, ever, ever shake a child. And in this moment, the only thing you can think of is, I want to shake this child right now. And now the onlookers are all starting to look. The parents starting to look. And it's like, come on, little buddy. Put on your coat. Like, No. So then I take his arm, and I try to force it into the coat. And this is where you discover that children have superhuman strength in moments they don't want to put on certain, certain pieces of clothing. It disappears every other time of their life. But when they are dead set against wearing a certain piece of clothing, all of a sudden they become the strongest forces in the world. So I'm sitting there trying to jam his arm into this coat while... His little brother's looking on, and everybody else is looking on, and, and one of the mothers comes, comes over, and and she says, hey, don't worry about it. We've all been there before. And everybody else is just gawking, and you're like, thank you. For 10 minutes, I try to get this kid in the coat. I finally just wrap his arms in, zip it, like force it on him, drag him and his brother out to the car. We get in the car. We're leaving. I used to have to bribe him with Taco Bell if he was good at preschool all week long. On the last day, I would take him to Taco Bell for cheesy roll-ups. And I told him, you're never going to Taco Bell another day in your life. You're grounded forever. I'm hammer calling my wife uh, just so she too can tell him, hey, you need to wear your coat and uh, finally get a hold of her on the phone and tell her everything that went down and said, hey, I'm going to FaceTime you so he can see your face when you tell him you need to wear your coat and never do this again. And so I'm not even sure if that's legal or not, but while I'm driving, I start FaceTiming my wife. And she looks at her child, and then she looks at me, and she says, Brian, that's not his coat. 
excuse me? That's not his coat. So now I have stolen someone else's coat on a day where there is a negative windshield outside. And to make matters worse, two days before this, one of my wife's sisters had had her debit card stolen. And somebody went and stole some money from her. And so we had told our boys this story, and we told them, never take things that don't belong to you. And now here his father is trying to force him into a stolen coat. So I drive back to the preschool, and lo and behold, there on the wall is one coat hanging up. That's my son's coat. So some other child went home with a below-zero windshield without a coat that day. We went to Taco Bell for lunch that day. And I talked to him. I, I apologized and said, buddy, you got to talk to me. You can't just say no. We, we have to communicate. And in relationships, so often, the biggest problems that we have come down to communication. It, it comes down to somebody's on one page and another person's on a different page. And rather than just stop and discuss the differences, we just act. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at God's design for relationships, and, and we're going to continue to do that, but now we're, we're going to pivot, and we're going to pivot. And what we've seen through God's design for, for relationships is that God designed, he designed marriage, and he designed it to be permanent, and he, he's given us an incredible plan that there's to be intimacy, and there's, there's to be completion within that dynamic. And oftentimes what happens when, when those things are present in relationships is, is kids are involved. And oftentimes what we see is that one of the biggest contributing factors to tension and problems within relationships are family dynamics. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're going to pivot and we're going to talk specifically about some of the common problems that we see within relationships. And today, we're going to talk about family dynamics, mostly within parenting and kids. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us this morning in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can find in whatever app store you utilize. And once it's installed on your device, there's a number of great features within the Bible app. But the feature that we use every week here at Lakeside is called Events. There you can either enable your locations or just type in Lakeside Algoma. We'll pop up and you can follow along with us that way. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, we're going to start in the New Testament book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be between there and some verses in Proverbs in a little bit later. If you're joining us via the stream this morning, thanks so much for joining us. My name is Brian and I'm part of the team here at Lakeside and the verses will be available for you on the screen below as we look at some of the dynamics that go into parenting and some of the tensions that it causes within relationships and the family dynamic. We begin in Ephesians 6, reading verses 1 to 4, where we read these words. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, 
Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So right off the bat, what we see are there are a couple of responsibilities. We start with children. Children, the first thing within God's design for the family dynamic is that you are obedient. The children are obedient to their parents. Now, there are qualifiers here, and the qualifier is this, in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Meaning that if parents were to put restrictions on their kids that go outside of God's standard and God's set of rules and regulations, the kids are not ultimately responsible for adhering to those things. But that God has designed the family unit so that parents would first and foremost follow him, and then they would extend that relationship to their kids, and they would put parameters in place to help guide and direct their kids to follow after God in the same way. And the responsibility for kids within God's design is that they are obedient to their parents with those parameters and restrictions that they have put in place. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then the next step is to honor. It's to honor your father and mother. That's to hold, hold them in high regard. Now, this can go too far, and it can go too far to where somebody thinks that their parents are, are godlike. They think that their parents are flawless, that they're perfect, and we know that that's not accurate. We know that everyone has flaws. Every single person has areas where we fall short of God's standard. Every single one of us has areas where we need to grow and we need to develop, and we don't fully measure up. And, and more often than not, the problem that kids have isn't holding their parents in too high regard. It's not holding them in a high enough regard. But there are examples and there are situations where kids come along and they think, well, my parents can do no wrong. And then you get married, and then that's a whole nother set of tension that you introduce when your spouse is like, no, actually, they're, they're a little crazy, just like the rest of us, here, here, and here. And if you've never come to terms with that, then you're offended that how dare they point out a legitimate flaw in my parents, and no, you're wrong, and, and that can start fights in and of itself. But more often than not, the problem in our culture and our society is that we don't hold our parents in high enough regard. We don't hold them in high enough esteem. And in God's design, the responsibility, responsibility of children is that they're obedient to their parents and that they honor them, that they honor them. And here's the benefit, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The benefit is that if we would follow God's plan in the family dynamic, that parents are following after God, they're putting parameters and restrictions in place for their kids to follow after, to move them and to model for them Christ-likeness, then there's benefit. And the benefit is that there's going to be blessing, that they're, they're going to experience less hardship in life. They're going to be safer. They're going to experience a better life. And this is what the goal of parenting should be. And this is God's design for parenting. And so I want to talk to especially those of you who are teenagers right now. And I just want to say this. Your parents are not nearly as dumb as you think they are. And I recognize that right now you think, eh, they... Like, they were, yeah, they were kids a long time ago. 
and they've forgotten a lot of things, and they don't have a clue. And I just want to, I just want to remind you, I just want to remind you that they're not as dumb as you think they are, and they have more life experience than you do. They've experienced things, they have more wisdom, and some of the restrictions that they put in place that you hate and you don't understand, they are there for a very good reason. And ultimately, their goal is to protect you. And ultimately, their goal is to help benefit your life. And I, I recognize that when you're going through it, you might think, ah, they just, they're out of touch and they just don't get it. I get it. My dad was a complete idiot when I was in middle school, high school, and most of college. In fact, it's amazing how much that man learned when I graduated from college. I mean, up until that point, he was kind of an idiot. And what I recognize now is that it's not all of a sudden he got a lot wiser and had a lot more life experience, but I recognize that he saw things that I didn't see, and he knew things that I didn't yet know. And the the benefit that God says is when this is done according to God's plan, there is actually a benefit, and that benefit is you're going to have less regret. You're going to have less trouble. Your life is going to be better. Now, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And here we're given a warning for parents. Kids are mirrors in the best way and in the worst. And sometimes it's great when our kids are a mirror. And sometimes it makes us come to terms with our flaws. And we see them and they're highlighted. And what can happen is all of a sudden we can create a standard for our kids that they can't measure up to because we're disappointed in ourselves. And all of a sudden we take out that disappointment in ourselves and all of a sudden we put on them higher expectations than we could ever reach. And it doesn't necessarily come from a bad place. It comes from a place where we recognize by looking into the mirror, these are the ways that I don't measure up. These are the ways that I fall short. And I don't want that for my kid. But ultimately what we can do is we can put on them so heavy of a burden that there is no possible way for them to live up to it. And then there's tension. And the tension is because we have put a standard on them that we ourselves can't live up to, and it's way more lofty than we should ever have assigned them in the process. And this can fracture a relationship. It can break it very easily. And so parents, especially dads, we're reminded here not to provoke our kids to anger. Not to push them and push them and push them in such a way. Even if it comes from a genuine place, even if it comes from a place where we want the best for them, we have to safeguard against that. And we have to be responsible to make sure that we're not overly pushing our kids and their achievements and our expectations of them. So this is God's plan, and it's His design. And now we're going to jump to some different Proverbs, starting in Proverbs 22, verse 6, where we read these words. Train up a child in the way he should go, 
Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let me read that again. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So here we see this idea of parenting is what? It's training. It's training. Anybody who's ever started a conditioning plan or a workout plan knows you don't see results day one. It takes time. It takes time. It takes effort. You have to stay with it for the long term to see results. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. But let me stop here. Because some of you are very familiar with this verse. And this verse crushes you. Because truth be told, you have a child. And you did your best. And you know you weren't perfect. But you tried. And your spouse tried. And you tried to model God to them. You tried to love them. You tried to direct them to the hope of Jesus. And you look at where they are now. And their life. And it tears you apart. And you think to yourself, well, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. But I know where my child is now. there's guilt in your heart because you feel like you messed up. You feel like you missed it. And you feel like a failure. And the hope that I would give to you today is this. It's important for us to remember the nature of Proverbs. Now, all Scripture is inspired by God. God is the ultimate author of all Scripture. All Scripture comes from God. But Proverbs, the nature of Proverbs, are not promises. Proverbs are not promises. They are still inspired by God. But Proverbs are not promises. They're percentages. And Proverbs, more often than not, are true. But the nature of Proverbs means that they are not promises. They're still inspired by God. They still come from God. But they are percentages. And in a broken and a flawed world, this is just one example. This is just one example of a proverb that doesn't always ring true. And certainly no parent has ever been perfect. We're broken and we're flawed people. Every single one of us could have done things in parenting better. We could have handled certain situations better. But ultimately, if you did your best to model Jesus to your children, if you tried to point them in the direction of God and tried to point them in the way that they should go, and they made a decision not to follow after Christ. You are not culpable or responsible for that decision. We know that we can't make the decision to follow Jesus for anyone. 
Everyone has to make that decision individually. And the best you can do as a parent is to point them in that direction. And so if you find yourself today heavy with guilt because you have a child that you raised and you pointed them to Jesus and you did everything you could, you did your best, and your heart breaks when you see the circumstances of their lives currently, I just want to encourage you that it's not your fault. You have not failed. And as much as you love that child, God, their creator, loves them even more than you do. And so it might be time that you release yourself of some guilt that you should have never experienced to begin with. Now, more often than not, if we play the percentages, this is going to ring true. And so it's important for those of us who love and follow Jesus to do just this, to train up our children in the way they should go, pointing them constantly to Christ. And we have to stay with it for the long term to see results. The goal of parenting is not to raise good kids. The goal of parenting is to raise great adults. That's the goal of parenting. And we have to recognize that our kids are going to make some mistakes. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But before we do, a lot of times the difficulty in parenting, it comes from different stages. Different stages that we find ourselves in during the parenting process. The first stage is this, that of a commander. Think a military relationship. You tell the kid what to do, they do it. This is essentially how you parent when they're young. You determine what they eat. You determine what they wear. You determine when they go to bed. You make all of the decisions for your child. That's, that's the commander role. And then at some point, you have to transition out of the commander role into more of a coach. And you introduce choices to your children. You don't just let them make every choice themselves, but you start, to, you start to clarify rather than dictate everything. And so you give them options. Would you rather wear this or would you rather wear that? You allow them to start the process of making decisions because if you raise them strictly in a commander role throughout their entire life, they're not going to be able to know how to make smart decisions, and they're going to make some decisions that are that are horrible. And so it's much better to come along while, you're, while they're still young in the safety of your home and to come along as a coach and help them understand how to make good decisions. And then at some point, you have to move from that of a coach to more of a counselor. And oftentimes, this is around the wonderful age of middle school where Puberty's coming into the equation and peer pressure and where your kids don't even want to acknowledge that you exist. I remember going to a middle school dance and my dad was taking me and he was picking up a friend who lived about a mile from the school and it was raining. And I said to my dad on the way to our friend's house, hey, just drop me off at my friend's house and we'll walk to the school from there. And my dad said, it's raining. I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, no, really, we'll be fine. And he's like, why would you want to walk? And I didn't tell him, but the reason that I wanted to walk is I didn't, wanna, I didn't want all the girls at the dance to see me getting out of the car with my dad. 
that was a, that was like a horrifying thought to me. Like I've always I've always had way more game than my dad. I did not want those girls to see me getting out of his car. Are you kidding me? He didn't listen. He didn't make us walk to the dance in the rain. He dropped us off at the school. But I was horrified by that. Now, the middle school dance consisted of one wall in the cafeteria being lined with all the boys in middle school and the other wall being lined with all the girls and no dancing going on. I'm not even sure why it was called a dance. But I just remember being so horrified by that thought. And at some point, your kids aren't going to want to acknowledge you they don't want to be near you, and this can be kind of tough. Or on some days you're like, oh, good, I don't really want to be near them. But the reality is those are the days you need to be near them the most. And you have to function in more of a counselor role. And you let your kids know, well, here's the decisions you can make, but you're very clear with the consequences if they make those decisions. Again, you can't make anyone's choices for them. Parenting would be a whole lot easier if you could, but you can't. And again, the goal of parenting is to raise adults who love and follow Jesus and who get out of your house. That's the goal of parenting. And so helping them understand, well, these are choices you can make. But here are the consequences if you do. And in the last stage, you move to more of a consultant. And this is normally around college age, post-graduation. And this is a really hard stage, especially for control freaks. And that's you have to learn to let go. And rather than being proactive with advice, you have to wait until you're asked. Because you can offer all the advice in the world, but it's going to mean a lot more if you wait until you're asked for input and then give it at that time. And oftentimes, in the parenting dynamic, the trouble comes when these roles get mixed up or messed up. Or people don't want to transition. It's when you have a high school student and you want to be in the control stage of when they were a toddler. And you're making every choice and every decision for them and your child feels like, I have no freedom, I have no independence, and you're like, well, I know more than you, but you've never helped them learn how to make a decision or process through the consequences of what happens when they make the wrong choice. And it's important as people that love and follow Jesus that we need to let our kids make mistakes while they're still safe. And they're still under our care. So that we can help them process through consequences. And we can help them process through grace and redemption and repentance. And it's important that they learn those things while they're still in an environment that cares about them. Proverbs 27 says this, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Remember this, more is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. You can lecture your kids, you can talk to them all day long. 
And yet the greatest teaching tool that you have is your example. It's how you live your life. More is caught than taught. Kids are always watching, even when you think they aren't, even when they're away. They're always watching, and they will follow your example. Proverbs 13.24 says this, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, this is an aspect of parenting that, that nobody really likes. And if you like this part, well, you need therapy. But that's the role of discipline. And that's just part of the responsibility of, of being a parent. It's not easy, but it's necessary. And all of us have seen the results of what happens when somebody hasn't received discipline in their lives. And it's never good. It's never a positive. And so it's important for those of us who parent, who love and follow Jesus, to have mandates and to have restrictions and to have things that we highlight. And we make it known to our kids, this is the expectation. This is how you're to behave. This is what you're responsible to complete. This is your responsibility. And when they step outside of those things, it's our responsibility to let them know, here are the consequences for that. Now, it's also important for us to remember a couple things. Number one, their brains are still growing. They're still developing. And so we need to be quick to offer grace. But we also have to have clear-cut expectations and clear-cut punishments when the children do not follow up and live up to the expectations that we have clearly stated for them. Why? Because what is the goal? The goal is to what? To point our kids to Jesus. To make them self-sustaining adults. To help them understand every choice has consequences. And yes, we have all been recipients of grace. And yes, we need to extend grace to them. But we also have to let them know, hey, this is the expectation. And when you fail to live up to the expectation, these are the consequences as a result of your failure to do that. And so I would just invite you as parents to have very clear expectations and to have those, to have those things that you are not willing to budge on. And you're willing to extend grace in a whole lot of areas, but these are the non-negotiables. And these are the things that it, it's clear. You've clearly articulated what the expectation is. And you've clearly articulated what's going to happen when that expectation has not been met. And then as much as you don't want to, to follow through with that punishment. Because the reality of punishment is sometimes the punishment hurts the parents more than the kids. But it's still to follow through with that. And then in God's design, what we see is the ultimate goal of the family dynamic. And that's Proverbs 17, 6, where we read these words. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. This is the mark of a good relationship. And the mark of a good relationship, the mark of a job well done in parenting, is a relationship that exists and extends into adulthood. It's when you look back and you have a great relationship still with your kids. 
That's God's ultimate goal and his ultimate design. And if we will follow the plan that God has put in place, that is the benefit. And that's where we'll end up, where we will have a good relationship. Now, I know some of you are like, well, thanks, Brian, for wasting my Sunday because I don't have kids. And that's all great, but how does this apply to me? And I am so glad you asked that question. The way that this applies to your life is, is this. First, if you like kids, there is no shortage. There is no shortage of kids in our world who need a great example. Find one that you can mentor. Find one that you can pour into. It might be a niece or a nephew. It might be through a parachurch organization. It might be through getting involved here at Lakeside, whether that's with student ministry or whether that's with next-gen ministries and the Lakeside Littles or the Lakeside Kids. But find a way to be involved because there are no shortage of kids out there who need examples of people who love and follow Jesus and who will love them. And if you're like, well, hey, that sounds great. I'm glad we have those ministries. But here's the thing. I don't really like kids. Then what I would say to you is find those families that you can encourage. Recognize that you have friends who have kids, and with that comes some unique pressures, pressures that you've never had to worry about, pressures and, and things you've never had to think through, and just encourage them in the journey. Make it a point to go hang out with them at, at some point. Grab dinner. Just, just do something that's exciting that can be an outlet for them to, to get away from it all and, and be refilled. So find a family or two, people that you enjoy being around, people that you're friends with, and just do intentional things, provide intentional outlets for parents who are in the thick of it and help them that way. For some of you who are like, hey, I would love to have a great relationship with my kids. But I don't. What do I do? The first step is to stop beating yourself up. The next step is for you to analyze how was I as a parent? Maybe when you look back, you're like, you know, I did push them too hard. I didn't always model Jesus to them in the way I should have. I do regret this choice or this series of events that happened. And what I would encourage you to do is today. Pick up the phone or send a message, even if it goes to voicemail. Own what you're responsible for. Apologize and ask for forgiveness. You don't have to go into, and here's all the things that have disappointed us. You don't have to go into, here's the things you did to contribute. None of that. 
own your part. None of us has been a perfect parent. None of us will be. And maybe healing in your relationship will begin with an apology and repentance. And lastly, for all of us to remember, the kids that we have the privilege of working with, they aren't ultimately ours. They're designed by God, and we have an incredible responsibility and opportunity to love them, to encourage them, to challenge them, and to help them grow. And may we do that each and every day with enthusiasm and excitement. God, I pray that you would help us. First and foremost, point our kids to you. That we would model your love, Jesus. God, I pray for the person here who loves you follows you and their kids are so far from you and I pray God that you would work on the heart of those kids and I pray God that you would free that person from guilt and shame I pray they would own their parts I pray they would repent of that and I pray they would move on I pray they would seek the forgiveness of their kids and I pray that you would restore that relationship I pray for the parent who's here and is just exhausted in the midst of the day-to-day -day grind. And I pray, God, you would help them remember the days are long, but the opportunity is incredible. And I pray they would take each and every day to love their kids, point them to you. And I pray, God, that Lakeside would be a place where we cheer on parents and grandparents and step-parents and we would come around them with the resources that they need to assist them and help them because we know raising kids that would follow you is incredibly difficult. And so God, I pray that this would be a place where we love and support the family dynamic. As they work so hard to point their kids and their grandkids and their stepkids to you, Jesus. Work in our families for your glory. It's in your name that we do pray. Amen.